WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. That is me. Good morning. It is Monday, January 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun, clouds today. High 38, so we get above freezing. That's good. Tonight and overnight, cloudy, low 33. And then Tuesday, clouds hang around the high 40. By the middle of the week, we're going to be in the 50s. If you are walking out the door with us right now, 20 and clear in Smithtown out on Long Island. It's 19 and clear in Lambertville down in New Jersey. And it is 23 and clear outside our Midtown studios. Uh, it was a cold weekend, right? It was uh, tough just to be outdoors. I had that moment when I, I worked on Saturday. And when my shift was over, I went home and I said, oh, you know, nobody's walked the dog because nobody wants to be outside, which is mean to the dog, of course. I mean, someone had taken them out to do you know, her bathroom type thing. So I said, okay, let me take her out. And I started walking down the street and everything's ice covered and snow is still there and that has that like layer of ice and she at first she's like ecstatic that someone has taken her outside and we go for about four or five blocks and she looks at me and she's like are you out of my mind <laughs> are you out of your mind <laughs> take me back home and she turns around and she starts running back home and uh, i didn't blame her because it was awfully cold but the good news is there's this warm-up, and we get into this weird thing where it gets close to almost 60 degrees come Saturday, So, uh, which is the opposite of what it's been. But uh, a lot of people, I think, will take that over what was happening this weekend where we were in the single digits with the wind chill. Were you watching uh, football this weekend? It was definitely a fun weekend of playoff action both on Saturday and... And uh, last night, uh, well, Sunday afternoon, uh, of course, the Lions won. And then last night, uh, you know, to be a Bills fan, man, it is tough. And those words, wide right, just will resonate forever. Now it has a new meaning to a new generation of fans. If you were a Giants or a Bills fan back in 1991 when the two faced off in the Super Bowl, it was Scott Norwood who kicked that field goal that should have gone right through the uprights and given the Bills that Super Bowl win, but it went wide right. So last night, it wasn't a Super Bowl game, but it would have been a game that gotten them to the AFC Championship. And this time, the kicker, poor guy, was this guy, Tyler Bass. Uh, there was a minute 47 left in the game, and uh, he kicks it, and sure enough, it goes wide right again. The game on the line, he will... 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. Yeah, it was just, you're like, really? How can they suffer through this again? And these poor Bills fans, what is it, four Super Bowls they've gone to? They've never won. I, I was listening, by the way, to the Kansas City call of that same moment. And, of course, that was much more entertaining to listen to than the Bills call. Tyler Bass will try a 44-yard field goal to tie. The wind at his back. The snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is up. And no good. Wide right. Wide right. (laughs) The Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. Jubilation for the Chiefs' sideline. 143 to go. Bass 
dismissing wide right from 44. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine. In Kansas City, they're going crazy. And as you can hear, the announcers for the Chiefs going bananas. So instead, the Bills endure another crushing defeat at the hands of the Chiefs. I always like to hear these guys after the game. And in this case, uh, it is Tyler Bass, the kicker, the poor guy. Look. The teammates, his teammates will say, hey, we didn't win because it's a team effort and it came down to the field goal. And yes, he missed it. But if other things have happened, we'd gotten into the end zone. We would have won the game. Uh, so here's Tyler Bass. I mean, he was kind of quiet as the microphones were around him in the locker room. What was it in particular with your operation that you feel like went wrong um, for that kick? Um, snap was good. Roll was great. Um, like I said, I got to play it a little bit more left when it's the left to right one. Yeah, what is he going to say? Poor guy. And now he's got to live that in the off season and hope next year will be better. Uh, do credit to Josh Allen, the great quarterback for the Bills, who didn't blame it on his kicker. Losing sucks. Losing them, losing anybody at home sucks. It just losing sucks. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, okay. Uh, the uh, You might have missed this if you turned off the tube at the end of the game. As um, Mahomes, the quarterback for the Chiefs, started to run off the field, the Bills fans were pelting him with snowballs, which is always not not a nice thing to do, but, of course, entertaining to watch. So, anyway, so now we have those uh, AFC and NFC championship games set up. Of course, coming up, Sports 515. Justin Ellis going to have the latest on that and the point spread for that coming weekend. The MTA installing these platform barriers at the number one subway station at 191st Street as part of this pilot program. We were watching these new gates. So they're not the movable kind of gates as you've seen in some cities across the world where the subway pulls in, these gates open up, and then you step on. But there are these big yellow tall gates that are placed in on the platform except for where the doors would open. So there's no mechanical part to it. They're just gates that will stop you from either falling onto the tracks or being shoved on the tracks by some maniac. So this pilot program just began, and people were taking a look at these big yellow gates over the weekend and saying, you know what, I'm kind of happy they're there. I was always thinking that when I walk, it should be some barrier here. I think it's a great idea. Someone at an elderly age or disabled that's nearby trips that can stop them from actually going over. So it's still in the experimental phase. So we'll be watching carefully to determine if the barriers are effective at deterring people from jumping onto the track or from being pushed onto the track, which of course has become an issue over the last decade or so. If I were to stand right here, I guess I would feel a little bit safer and no one can come behind me because I do that whole trick where you stand behind a pillar already. So I guess that does make sense if it's to avoid someone pushing you in. Yeah, so talking to the riders up at that station over the weekend, most people said, I'm happy they're there, giving it the thumbs up. So the question is, if people approve it in these four stations where they're trying it out now, the thought is they will expand this to all stations and, well, it'll take a while, but they're going to do it. Yeah, well, I was actually, we, we were just looking at these and I was actually saying it's kind of nice to have something to lean against while I'm waiting for the train. And apparently this isn't costing a ton of money because it's, they're using existing maintenance material they have to build these gates. Now, whether, when it goes uh, system wide, obviously it'll cost a whole lot more money, but so far people saying, hey, I like these gates. It makes me feel safer at the subway stations. 
WABC News Time 509. Still not clear if former President Trump will testify in his defamation case today here in the city. This is all connected to E. Jean Carroll. The trial resumes in Manhattan where a jury will decide how much Trump owes to Carroll, who he defamed repeatedly after he was held liable for sexually abusing her in a department dressing store in the 1990s. Trump has said he'll be in court, but we don't have any, any confirmation of that just yet. A three-month-old girl has died after she suffered a cardiac arrest at a migrant shelter. Police say the infant was being housed at the Queens County Inn and Suites. That's in Long Island City. Medics rushed her to the hospital where doctors pronounced her dead. Police say there were no signs of trauma on her body. Members of the Queens District Attorney's Office were at the shelter last night to investigate. The medical examiner will determine that little girl's cause of death. The U.S. military ending a 10-day search now for two Navy SEALs who went missing in the waters off the Gulf of uh, Aden. The two are now presumed dead with recovery operations now underway. They went into the water January the 11th during a nighttime mission. The U.S., Japan, and Spain took part in the search, which spanned over 21,000 square miles off the coast of Somalia. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, let's head out to the campaign, the 2024 campaign for the White House. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dropping out of the presidential race yesterday, endorsing former President Trump. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. Sort of amazing. You think at, at one point DeSantis was really considered a front runner early on, finished a distant second in the Iowa caucus, was polling in single digits ahead of the New Hampshire primary tomorrow. So the GOP race now a two person battle between Trump and Nikki Haley. More from DeSantis. The supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. DeSantis says he has reason to support former President Trump. We can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackage formed of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. Of course, everybody weighing in on the fact that he's dropping out of the race. Florida GOP Congressman Matt Gates telling Trump supporters up in New Hampshire yesterday that the news he's out of the race is good. All I can say is, welcome home, Ron. Welcome back to the MAGA movement where you have always belonged and where we will welcome you and be honored to count you among our legion as we go forward unifying this Republican Party for victory. Other Republicans pushing back some of the people who don't want Trump to be the nominee. A surrogate for the Florida governor and GOP president, Joe Hopefuls, DeSantis, as many Republican lawmakers are endorsing Trump out of fear. They're either afraid that he will get involved in their primaries or they're afraid that if he does win, he'll be be vindictive. Kentucky Congressman Tom Massey there. He came at me for opposing the CARES Act. I was the only congressman who did. I said it was going to cause inflation, that it would cause shortages. And oh, by the way, it funded the mail-in ballots and spent $2 trillion. The co-chair of President Biden's re-election campaign touting the latest consumer sentiment report as evidence of Americans believing the economy is starting to improve. Joe Biden has presided over a strong and a robust economy that's great for middle class Americans. Donald Trump did not. 
Delaware Senator Chris Coons there. He's part of the Biden campaign, says this month's 9% jump in consumer sentiment is the highest single-month increase in 30 years. Coons says the stock market hit an all-time high on Friday, which it did, and the U.S. has had the unemployment under 4% for the longest stretch, he says, in 50 years. Then he took a jab at President, former President Trump, saying Trump and Herbert Hoover were the only two U.S. presidents in the past century who left office with fewer American working than when they were first elected. The stock market hit an all-time high on Friday. We have unemployment below 4% for the longest stretch in 50 years. President Biden has presided over the creation of 14 million new private sector jobs. Then over the weekend, you had Senator Scott out of South Carolina dissing his fellow South Carolinian, Nikki Haley, of course, who was one time governor of South Carolina and throwing his support to Donald Trump. He went on the news shows over the weekend to talk about a bunch of things. Let's see. Uh, here he is talking during about the fact that he's supporting Donald Trump and why he says it was a good idea to do so. The facts and the evidence in each individual case matters. I don't think he's talking about that there. But uh, he threw his support behind uh, President Trump at a rally in New Hampshire over the weekend. In a moment, we'll get into the Nikki Haley campaign and their strategy going forward as they hope for to eke out a win in New Hampshire and then push on to South Carolina. But first, 515, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. Happy Monday. Good morning, Justin Ellis. Happy Monday. Good morning to you, Noah Layden. The brief the weekend that was of divisional round playoff action in the NFL. Kicking things off on Saturday in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson threw two touchdown passes and ran for two scores. And the one-seed Ravens pulled away in the second half for a 34-10 win over the four-seed Houston Texans to advance to the AFC Championship game. Then in San Francisco, the one-seed 49ers uh, mounted a late-game comeback with Christian McCaffrey tapping a game-winning 69-yard drive by running for his second touchdown with just over... A minute to play, allowing the Niners to hold on and beat the seven-seed Green Bay Packers 24-21 in a divisional round thriller. After spending all regular season as frontrunner, San Fran rallied behind Purdy and McCaffrey to reach their third straight NFC championship game. Yesterday, the uh, NFC got things going in the afternoon between the four-seed Bucks and the three-seed Lions in Detroit. Jared Goff through his second touchdown pass, a little over halfway through the fourth, and the Lions beat Tampa Bay 31-23, to lifting Detroit into the NFC Championship for the first time in 32 years and just the second time in franchise history. Now they have to travel to, to face San Francisco, the NFC's aforementioned top seed, next Sunday for a spot in the Super Bowl, a game they have never played in. Finally, the game of the weekend did not disappoint last night in Buffalo between the two-seed Bills and the three-seed Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes threw two touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey in the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs. Advanced to their sixth straight AFC championship game with a 27-24 win over the Bills. KC moves on to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson and the conference's top seed Ravens. Not ice hockey action last night. Artemi Panarin scored the tie-breaking goal with less than six minutes to go in the third period as the Rangers scored four times in the final 20 minutes for a 5-2 victory over the Ducks in Anaheim. And out in Elmont, Bo Horvath scored uh, 41 seconds into overtime and the Islanders beat the Dallas Stars 3-2 to win new coach Patrick Waugh's debut. Romanov and Hudson Fashing also scored for New York and Matthew Barzell and defenseman Noah Dobson had two assists. Sorokin finished with 41 saves. Waugh, who went 130, 92, 90, uh, and 24, I should say, 
in three seasons. Coaching Colorado from 2013 to 2016 was hired on Saturday to replace Lane Lambert after the Islanders went 0-3-1 on a four-game road trip. Tonight, the Devils return to action at home when they welcome in the Vegas Golden Knights for a 7 p.m. puck drop. On the hardwood last night in L.A., the Nets fell against the Clippers. Final score there, 125-114. to That's sports. No, man, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 519. We told you Ron DeSantis out of the race for the White House. So now tomorrow's New Hampshire primary is all about Nikki Haley versus Donald Trump. Law enforcement officials telling us in New Hampshire that they're prepared for what is expected to be a tense day there tomorrow. There are no indications of a specific threat, but an analysis obtained by ABC News shows police officials are ready to deal with potentially dangerous situations at the voting booths and online. A bulletin from the state's Information and Analysis Center says officials remain concerned about threats posed by racially motivated and domestic violent extremists, foreign terrorists, and homegrown violent extremists looking to disrupt the U.S. election. It references recent international unrest and events like January 6th as indicators of possible threats. I'm Scott Carr in Washington. All right, so now Nikki Haley hoping she can turn some of those Ron DeSantis supporters into her supporters and then win in South Carolina. She had a rally at a high school uh, in uh, New Hampshire after the news broke that DeSantis had dropped out of the race. Thank you so much, Exeter, for coming out. Can you hear that sound? That's the sound of a two-person race. Haley's uh, rally included an endorsement from TV judge Judge Judy. Okay, I don't know if that'll help, but might. I came because I have kids, I have grandchildren, and I have a great-grandchild. And I'm concerned for the future of America. Wouldn't that be funny if Judge Judy is the one that put her over the top? Uh, Nikki Haley saying yesterday that she then told President Trump... uh, when she worked as his U.N. ambassador, that he could not buddy up to dictators when she was serving in the administration. He congratulated China's President Xi a dozen times after China gave us COVID. I remember at the United Nations, Mm -hmm. I had to sit him down and tell him to stop this bromance with Putin. You can't have someone who's trying to buddy up with dictators that want to kill us. Instead, you have to let them know what we expect of them. Yeah, so going on the attack over the weekend, Haley also accusing Democrats of promoting fear when it comes to the issue of abortion. No Republican president can ban abortions any more than a Democrat president can ban any state law. Haley says Democrats claim a Republican president would sign a national abortion ban into law if elected. Former South Carolina governor says no bill related to abortion would ever get the required 60 votes in the U.S. Senate to even make it to the president's desk. WABC News Time 522, a man in custody for allegedly trying to break into Taylor Swift's Manhattan apartment over the weekend. The New York Post reports police handcuffed the suspect Saturday afternoon outside the pop star's apartment. Swift's neighbors told the Post the man showed up sometime before Christmas and has been allegedly lurking around the apartment for weeks, even telling one neighbor, I want to see Taylor. Police say he was taken into custody on an unrelated warrant. Security concerns are not new to the singer after another break-in attempt on her Tribeca residence back in 2019. In 2022, a man was also arrested for allegedly stalking Swift across state lines. 
I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. 523, let's go overseas. A Louisiana teenager dead, killed by Israelis in the occupied West Bank. 17-year-old Tafik Albajir was a native of Louisiana. Uh, and his family says he uh, that he had headed over to the West Bank to help out. Uh, his father says the U.S. ultimately responsible for the killing as the Biden administration continues to support Israel with tax dollars. Father, very upset, obviously. He was killed in cold blood from weapons that is being sent from my country. As you might guess, the Israelis, US. the U.S. pushing back, so are the Israelis against that thought. The teen apparently went to the West Bank after moving overseas to reconnect with his Palestinian roots. I carry my son out of the truck, shot two bullets. In the head, in the chest, my son was killed. I buried my son. That going on is a White House security advisor says Houthi attacks on ships in the Red Seas are attacks on the entire global economy. They continue to happen. And they're not just against the U.S., these attacks. The world is standing up and saying they won't tolerate that. White House Deputy National Security Advisor John Finer says that while the U.S. has taken retaliatory action, diplomatic steps are also being taken that include U.N. condemning the attacks. Finer also says Saturday's missile attack by Iran-backed militants against an American air base in western Iraq. We've imposed sanctions on the Houthis. We have gotten dozens of countries to issue statements condemning their attacks. We've gotten a statement from the U.N. Security Council, a resolution condemning these attacks. Through the skill of U.S. forces, many, if not most, of those missiles were uh, shot down before they impacted the base, but some of them got through. Yeah, it continues to be a mess in the Middle East. The uh, 524, a Catholic organization, says six nuns who were traveling on a bus in Haiti were kidnapped over the weekend. Officials say the nuns are from the country's congregation of the Sisters of St. Anne. Other people on the bus were allegedly taken as well. No victims have been described or identified. The president of the Haitian Conference of the Religious says there are too many kidnappings in Haiti, and that's filling people's souls with, quote, sadness and fear. I'm Jim Forbes. Elon Musk is flying to Poland today where he'll take part in a panel about online anti-Semitism. He'll tour the concentration camps at Auschwitz. Musk recently faced criticism in November by endorsing a false conspiracy theory about Jewish people on his social media site X, formerly known as Twitter. The White House immediately condemned his posts, calling his claims, quote, abhorrent and racist. Now, Musk plans to arrive in Poland on Monday, where he'll take part in the anti-Semitism panel, along with the controversial political commentator Ben Shapiro. I'm Jim Forbes. WABC News Time 526 retail stores cross country reversing course on self checkout machines, saying they're a disaster for consumers and retailers alike. The biggest problem is theft. Shoppers are reportedly 21 times more likely to sneak items past machines than human cashiers. And consumers also constantly steal unintentionally because the self-checkout process can be so cumbersome. According to a survey from LendingTree, one in five shoppers reported they've accidentally stolen items during self-checkout. And one in seven say that they've stolen from self-checkout on purpose. Target, Walmart, and Dollar General are all pulling back from efforts to introduce more self-checkouts. All right, let's take a look at the markets, the opening bell. 
it rings this morning as Wall Street kicks off a fresh trading week. This after Friday saw some records set. All three major averages gained more than 1% with both the S&P 500 and the tech-heavy Nasdaq hitting all-time highs. At the closing bell, the Dow gained 395 points. S&P 500 added 59. The Nasdaq gained 255. Coming up in the week ahead, crucial inflation numbers. We'll get a look at how much the economy grew or shrank when the fourth quarter GDP numbers come out on Thursday. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Monday, January 22nd. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. We're going to get out of the freezing mode. The high today will be 38 tonight and overnight cloudy low 33 and then tuesday clouds hang around the high 40 as we go later into the week it's going to be in the 50s even in the high 50s on friday if you're walking out the door with us right now 20 and clear in smithtown out on long island it's 19 and clear in lambertville down in new jersey and it is 23 and clear outside our midtown studios right now we'll start over in new jersey where all that frigid weather over the weekend broke pipes open so much of the infrastructure underground is so old, no matter where you go across the tri-state. But, of course, it's always bad when you lose water in Edison, Spotswood, Mawa, Hoboken. Crews working as fast as they could to get people reconnected. And lots of people saying, look, they understand the infrastructure underneath is, in some cases, more than 100 years old. And they say it's time for lawmakers to think about fixing it all. We really need to invest in infrastructure. That's really important. Um, I, from what I've read, the infrastructure here is pretty old and that's that's not uncommon uh, especially here in the northeast and uh, you know leaders need to make a commitment to really upgrading the infrastructure if if the city is going to grow and prosper over the you know over the coming decades especially as students here it's hard to always have like healthy water accessible so it's frustrating that we would have to go out and buy our own water. And so it's just something that I think is important to put some money towards. Yeah, some of those towns uh, offering water to those people who lost water, most of them have it back this morning. Let's bring it back here in this city for some, some a couple of awful crimes that took place, but I need to tell you about them. A son in custody after his parents were both found murdered inside their home in Borough Park over the weekend. Police responding to reports of a domestic assault. This was about 5 o'clock on Saturday. When they arrived, they found Jacob and Rachel Sperber, both 75-year-olds, uh, stabbed to death. The police say their son was the one who attacked him. He had had mental issues for years. Eyewitnesses say their son barricaded himself inside the apartment for a while, then gave himself up. I know that the parents are very special. They took in such a son, and this is what he repaid them, and this is... It's ridiculous. It was mentally ill, and and they just loved them. Neighbors and friends say the couple were always willing to give and were always doing anything they could to help their son. Of course, makes that even more awful. Uh, criminal charges haven't been filed so far. That son, who is alleged of stabbing both of his parents to death, is in a mental ward this morning. Cops walked into a Brooklyn apartment on Friday night, found a mom 
and her adult son with stab wounds. The 58-year-old mom died a short time later. Her 36-year-old son in the hospital in critical condition. Neighbors just shocked by this crime, which took place inside a Starrett City building. Coming home last night to hear this, it was shocking and very appalled. It's, it's bad, it's sad, nothing. We never thought this. One of our esteemed community persons is really, you know, gone. But we didn't hear no arguing or anything. arguing or anything like that. And And I mean, they're right around the corner from you guys. I know. I know. This is so, this is so, yeah. It's so overwhelming because, like, it's, you know, right there, right next door. Neighbors scratching their heads. They had not heard of any arguments between the mom and her son. Police believe the two stabbed each other inside that building. At some point, they think, one of these two threw the family dog out of the window of the 11th floor apartment to its death. She had a little poodle named Gigi, and um, she came off. She was a very kind person. Um, she really loved the dog, and I'm just heartbroken to hear that this happened to her. So, of course, some of the question we're asking, we have not heard back from the NYPD, is does the dog's death related to this stabbing that took place? They haven't told us yet. I know nothing about her son, only that he was good-looking and seemed very personable. I screamed to the top of my lungs when I found out it was her. Yeah, the woman identified by police as 58-year-old Donna Hyman. According to police, she was a resident of the apartment in which she was fatally stabbed. Not clear yet whether or not her son lived in the apartment with her. WABC News Time 539 really upsetting deadly crash in the Bronx took the life of a 21-year-old and a 15-year-old. And the thought is here, initially by cops, that this car, which was slammed into a parked oil truck and then killed these two people, the driver actually survived, was doing donuts in this parking lot and all part of maybe a YouTube channel that they were sending videos to. At least that's the initial thought here. Uh, A guy who works for the oil company says... There have been other cars that have crashed into their parked trucks before. It's not the first time. This is not the first accident. This is like the third accident this week. Um, I've come over here and there's been another accident. Somebody else crashed into the trailer that was parked here. So it's been several accidents. So as of last night, no arrests had been made, but the NYPD, they said they may be one of this driver if it ends up being true that they were shooting video for a YouTube channel doing donuts in this parking lot when that accident took place. They say they'll give us more details as the morning wears on. NYPD cops searching for the driver who hit and injured a mother and her two young kids. They were crossing a Manhattan street. The hit took place 7 p.m. at the corner of 42nd and 9th Avenue. Seen a lady on the ground, guess what, sitting there, hollering, talking about they got hit by a car in the car. They said somebody said, like, the car ran the light. 26-year-old mom and her 5- and 8-year-old kids were rushed to the hospital. The good news is they are okay. Police looking for the driver of a black Toyota. They were going through surveillance video hoping for any evidence there, any sign of that black Toyota. It now costs a little bit more to send letters in the mail. Effective immediately, the United States Postal Service increasing the cost of a first-class forever U.S. postage stamp from the current $0.66 to $0.68. 
The price of domestic postcard stamps will also rise from 51 cents to 53 cents. And stamps for international postage will also go up a nickel to $1.55. The Postal Service says that these increases will help provide much-needed revenue. I'm Katie Gray. Mayor Adams yesterday continuing to campaign against the controversial NYPD bill that would require officers to document even the most minor interactions, inviting members of the city council to take ride-alongs with cops as they patrol the Big Apple to see how invasive this would be. Uh, The city council passing this bill, they say it's all about transparency, but the mayor says it would tie cops up doing all kinds of paperwork when they should be out on the streets. Drowning officers in unnecessary paperwork uh, when they should be out on the street keeping us safe. The bill will leave taxpayers with tens of millions of dollars in NYPD overtime each year. And it could be intrusive to guess the ethnicity, the age, to write down why you stopped someone in the first place. So on Friday, Adams vetoed this proposal and asked members to read the entire bill and compare it with the minor stops it forces officers to chronicle. The council, which passed this legislation with a veto-proof 35 to 9 majority in December, means the mayor has to get at least two people to flip to his side so they don't get this bill through the city council. Out to Long Island 542, the great neck man, who police say shot a pellet gun into his neighbor's home earlier this week was arrested again yesterday. The second arrest of Mitchell Levy happened 48 hours after the alleged incident when she caused thousands of dollars worth of damage at the University Gardens neighborhood. This was on Friday. Nassau police say Levy was charged in the most recent arrest with menacing and reckless endangerment. Now, his family says he has mental health issues and they've been trying to get him into a mental hospital. And the family member, out of abundance of caution, um, and I think based upon the interaction that the two had, called the the police to see if they could help get him to a mental health facility. But this was really frightening stuff. A surveillance video from Friday morning appears to show Levy pointing this high-powered pellet rifle at two neighbors' home on Somerset Drive. 36-year-old then appears to proceed to damage property, all while shooting through several windows of homes where residents were sleeping inside. Neighbors were under lockdown for a couple hours on Friday. So how this he was able to do this again on Sunday, we don't know, but neighbors want answers to that. It's quite a shock when something like this happens. It's not normal. Yeah, so he's back in custody today. 544, congestion pricing really looks like it's going to happen. If you've driven around the city at all, those transponders are up to take pictures of your license plate and charge you whatever the final price will be to drive below 60th Street in Manhattan. There's all kinds of lawsuits to stop it, but it's not clear any of those will work. So people over the weekend were noticing these transponders are up all over the city too and saying, you know what, I don't want to pay to go below 60th Street. They're going to double charge now. So it's going to be more problems. So imagine when they start sending out delivery trucks and they start charging people that congestion fees. The stores are getting overpriced for deliveries to their store. Everybody's getting overpriced. Yeah, well, that's the thought is those trucks that need to go below. Some of them will get some sort of exemption from paying for it. But those stores will have to charge more because they're going to have to pay more for that congestion pricing bill. Then you have the businesses on Lower East Side are worried that people will just stop coming there because they don't want to go into Lower Manhattan with their car, at least on the weekend, no matter what, because this is seven days a week to go to these businesses because it'll cost them more. You choose to live in New York. It's noisy anyway, and it's congested anyway, you know? This is a choice we make by living here. (laughs)
you can move, especially if you can afford to live over here. You certainly got the money to move. Yeah, all right. So maybe some people will move out of that neighborhood. But again, these lawsuits uh, that are trying to stop congestion pricing, not clear if they're going to work. This, by the way, is all supposed to begin come April. All right, 545. Let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellis. Thank you, Noah Malayden. We'll debrief the weekend that was of divisional round playoff action in the NFL. Kicking things off on Saturday in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson threw two touchdown passes and ran for two scores. And the one-seed Ravens pulled away in the second half for a 34-10 win over the four-seed Houston Texans to advance to the AFC Championship game. Then in San Francisco, the one-seed Niners mounted a late comeback with Christian McCaffrey capping a game-winning 69-yard drive by running for his second touchdown with just over a minute left to play, allowing the Niners to hold on and beat the seven-seed Green Bay Packers 24-21 in a divisional round thriller. After spending all regular season as frontrunners, San Fran rallied behind Purdy and McCaffrey to reach their third straight NFC championship game. Yesterday, the NFC got things going in the afternoon. Between... That Green Bay game, they really outplayed them. That was kind oh, of a yeah. bummer. Oh, yeah. Total bummer. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think probably the entire country was watching that game, hoping uh, hoping that um, Green Bay would pull it out. And they played great, man, other than that last pass, which I don't know I don't know why he threw that. Yeah. But, but other than that, I mean, he, he, play, he played great. They played great. I mean, a seven-seed, man, playing a, playing a one-seed like the Niners, especially as strong as the Niners are. In like San Francisco, that, no In San less. Francisco was... I mean, really, really impressive. So they're way ahead of schedule, the Packers, that is, in terms of their uh, quote-unquote rebuild. <laughs> That's what you want to call it. Uh, very exciting stuff if you're a Packers fan going into next season. Yesterday, the NFC uh, got things going in the afternoon between the four-seed Bucks and the three-seed Lions in Detroit. Jared Goff threw his second touchdown pass a little over halfway through the fourth, and the Lions beat Tampa Bay 31-23, to lifting Detroit into the NFC Championship for the first time in 32 years and just the second time in franchise history. They're easy to root for. Now they have to travel to face San Francisco, the NFC's aforementioned top seed, next Sunday for a spot in the Super Bowl, a game they have never played in. Finally, the game... Who's going to win that game? Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I, I'm rooting for Detroit. I would think most people are probably uh, rooting for Detroit. Uh, in San Francisco, man, it's a tough, it's a tough call. Um, I would pick Detroit, um, definitely. Especially, I mean, I don't know what the spread is right now, but I would imagine that they cover the spread, assuming that they're going to be uh, underdogs by at least uh, three points, hmm. being on the road. So uh, we'll see. But I would take, I would take the Lions. They just seem like the uh, the team of destiny this year, man. In the NFC, I got to tell you, that's just a Cinderella story. Not even Cinderella at this point. They won 12 games in the regular season, so they are uh, a wagon, if you will. Finally, the game of the weekend. No, it did not disappoint last night in Buffalo between the two seed Bills and the three seed Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes threw two touchdown passes to Travis Kelsey, and the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs advanced to their sixth straight AFC Championship game with a 27 to 24 win over the Bills. KC moves on to Baltimore to face Lamar Jackson in the conference's top seeded Ravens. Not an ice hockey action. Wait, last can night. we stop for a second? Yeah, of course. The fact that why a new generation of Bill fans know mm-hmm. the words "wide right," wide right, baby, unbelievable. I, uh, you want to hear what it sounded like? Yeah, sure. Okay, the game on the line. He will. 44 yards, Bass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Now they got to go Scott Norwood back uh-huh. in 1991, and yep. then, you know, a whole new generation. I, can I just play this for you? I know I'm taking over your sports go report. But this was the Kansas City call of the wide <laughs> oh, right. Here we go. These were the this play-by-play guys in Kansas City, and, the whole, you know, it sounds a whole lot different. Uh-huh. Tyler Bass will try a 44-yard field goal to tie. The wind at his back. 
The snap is good. The ball put down. The kick is Ooh. up. And no good. Wide right. Wide right. <laughs> the Bills kicker missed a field goal. Wide right. Oh, he can't say it enough. No. <laughs> Jubilation for the Chiefs sideline. One forty-three to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it goes on. He just starts screaming. Unbelievable. Yeah. My God. I'm sorry. You can go back. Right. Somewhere Scott Norwood's really happy and drunk. Of I course. Think. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. got to be. Right, like, here, right. Have a good time, dude, next year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pass, the passing of the baton, if you will. <laughs> oh, God. We should laugh about it. We're terrible people. <laughs> on the ice last night, uh, the Rangers. Oh, do you want to hear Tyler Bass after the game? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tyler yeah, Bass cares, after nobody the game. cares about hockey anyway. No. Go for it. No, they don't. Yeah. What was it in particular with your operation that you feel like went wrong um, for that kick? Yeah. The snap was good. Places <laughs> out. Um, like I said, I got to play it a little bit more left when it's a left to right one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> I got to hit it. I got to hit it a little bit more left, he says. <laughs> that's a really Oh, that's a good Poor one. Poor guy. Yeah. Poor, yeah. poor guy. Wide right indeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's sports snow. I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 552. Let's get you up on some of the bigger stories of the morning. Some MTA subway riders very excited to see this new pilot program begin where they're installing these platform barriers that you are right next on the platform. You know where the yellow line is? Now there are these big yellow gates at four subway stations. One of them is the number one subway station at 191st Street. The whole idea is so that people don't either pass out or fall onto the tracks or, more importantly, get shoved on the tracks, which unfortunately has become a big thing as of late. And the riders were checking out these barriers over the weekend, which were installed. They're bright yellow, just like that bright yellow line is. And they say, yeah, this makes me feel a little bit safer. I was always thinking that when I walk, there should be some barrier here. I think it's a great idea. Someone at an elderly age or disabled that's nearby trips, that can stop them from actually going over. So these gates are still in the experimental phase, and they're not the maneuverable ones. So sometimes you've seen these gates that are in subway stations around the world where the gate opens and closes. No, these are permanent gates on either side of where the subway car doors open. So there's still an opening, but if you stand behind the gate... You're pretty safe. If I were to stand right here, I guess I would feel a little bit safer. No one can come behind me because I do that whole trick where you stand behind a pillar already. So I guess that does make sense if it's to avoid someone pushing you in. Yeah, so it's a rare moment where riders seem to be in agreement that they like this and they hope it'll show up at other stations across the system. Yeah, well, I was actually, we, we were just looking at these and I was actually saying it's kind of nice to have something to lean against while I'm waiting for the train. And the MTA telling us that the you the program initially now has been funded using existing maintenance resources and in-house labor and materials. So it's not costing riders anything. Now, of course, if it goes system-wide, it'll be a whole lot more expensive. Cops searching for the driver who hit an NYPD cop last night took off detectives flooding this area in Inwood. This was about nine o'clock last night. First responders rushing that officer to the hospital. Thankfully, he is expected to be okay. So far, our police have not caught up with the driver. A three-month-old girl 
has died after she suffered cardiac arrest at a migrant shelter. Police say the infant was being housed at the Queens County Inn and Suites. That's a Long Island city. Medics rushed her to the hospital where doctors pronounced her dead. Police say no signs of trauma on her body. Members of the Queens District Attorney's Office, they were at the shelter last night to investigate the medical examiner, of course, will determine the cause of death. The U.S. military ending now its 10-day search for two Navy SEALs who went missing in the waters of the Gulf of Aden. The two are now presumed dead with recovery operations now underway. They went into the water January the 11th during a nighttime mission. The U.S., Japan, and Spain took part in the search, which spanned over 21,000 square miles off the coast of Somalia. I'm Mark Mayfield. Big day on the White House campaign trail yesterday. Of course, tomorrow is the New Hampshire primary. One less candidate in that race. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis dropping out and endorsing Donald Trump. Trump is superior to the current incumbent, Joe Biden. That is clear. I signed a pledge to support the Republican nominee, and I will honor that pledge. So telling some his supporters that he's suspending his campaign, which is essentially ending. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. Accordingly, I am today suspending my campaign. It is kind of amazing when you think back when this all began. DeSantis was really considered a front runner for all he had done in Florida, and it just sort of fell apart from there. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. DeSantis says he has a reason to support President Trump, not Nikki Haley. We can't go back to the old Republican guard of yesteryear, a repackaged form of warmed-over corporatism that Nikki Haley represents. Nikki Haley, of course, hoping that some of those DeSantis supporters will support her now in her race with Donald Trump. With one poll shows uh, the race has tightened a bit over the last 48 hours. Panera Bread's caffeinated charge lemonade drinks now at the center of another lawsuit. A woman in Delaware filed that suit on Tuesday, alleging she suffers long-term and permanent cardiac issues after drinking the caffeinated beverage. The lawsuit claims the woman drank two and a half charged lemonades and started experiencing body shakes, heart palpitations, and shortness of breath. The woman allegedly went to the emergency room and was treated for an irregular heartbeat. Two previous lawsuits blamed charged lemonade for the deaths of a man in Florida and a college student. I'm Tammy Trujillo. Oh. 